Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How's it going, buddy? I'm going great, man. Anything happening? Anything good? Anything great? Anything groovy? I am very excited watching Alan Drummond's uh, Euro- Great European Vacation. Oh, I know. Hey, they they went, I guess they were doing a boat cruise or something. And yeah, they're doing they so much. They flew over to, they're seeing Croatia, like they're in Greece. You kind of forget that the uh, the world is kind of opening back up after, uh, you know, COVID is starting to abate. And it's like, oh, this is, his vacation is just amazing. He took a picture and he sent it of the Acropolis. But from a view you don't usually see. Oh, yeah? Like, you're not seeing all the columns. I guess you're seeing the back of it. Mm-hmm. And it's all lit up at night. So you get this nice mountain that looks really white. And then the Acropolis looks orange. Mm-hmm. It looks like somebody has carved a block of cheddar cheese <laughs> out of a mountain. <laughs> So good. (laughs) But we may have lost Alan to Athens for good. Yes. He sent a picture of himself in front of the Kayak Pure Magic Ice Cream Store. Oh, did he? Where's the picture? I haven't seen it. Um, That is on, what is it? The Sea Kayaking um, page. (laughs) Oh, hang on a second. We may have lost him, did we? We may have lost him. See Kayak Ontario. Uh, Alan's from the Kayak Pure Magic Ice Cream. Uh, Alan Drummond's been on our show many times. He owns the uh, Kingdom Outdoor products. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it looks like they're having a grand old time over there. There it is. Kayak Pure Magic Ice Cream. Mm. (laughs) Anything to do with paddling. Anything to do with kayaks, canoes. Raft, stand-up paddle boards. Well, kayaking is included. So (laughs) if the people at Kayak Pier Magic Ice Cream want to send us some ice cream really fast (laughs) before it melts (laughs) or get a really good cooler. Too cool. Yeah, he's Uh, having way too much fun now. I enjoy watching uh, vicariously when people do trips like this. This has been good for me this week because it has been a couple of really, really stressful weeks. Oh, at work, yeah. At work. Uh, And other things. I get in fights with inanimate objects. There are now three vacuums, older vacuums, sitting in our garage that will no longer be working vacuums. Okay. <laughs> yes. I fought three vacuums and was victorious. <laughs> they will never work again. <laughs> that <but laughs> was my Sunday. Everybody was out of the house. You know what? When everybody's out of the house, I'm going to get the vacuuming done, get my stuff done, <laughs> put my put my little uh, headphone thingies in, get my music playing, get the vacuum going. And what the heck is that smell? <laughs> well, the belt on one of them is burning. And, of course, you turn it over. Okay, I can fix this. I got my tools. No, it's a fancy, dancy star screwdriver with a hole in the middle. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the, yeah. the screw has is like this star shaped. <laughs> but there's a little pointy thing sticking up from the middle, a little post. Yeah. Who's got one of those? <laughs> I've got a, I've got multiple ones at home if you uh, I had known. <laughs> so that one after I, I gave up on that and that went outside. So I grabbed the older vacuum and when you turn it on, the beater bar is going and everything. And then when you put your foot on the beater bar to pull the handle down so you yep. can start vacuuming, beater bar turns off. <laughs> so the switch in there, yeah, you know what? Nope, nope. Yeah. Out it goes. 
So the third one is like a little R2-D2 unit with a hose. Oh, okay. Thing. So canister on wheels and you just pull it around. So uh, that one's working fine. All right, all right, all right. We're going to finish this. I pick it up and the whole thing falls to pieces. <laughs> the canister flies open. All the dust and oh. dirt and cat hair and all over the floor I just vacuumed. So it went extra far out yeah. <laughs> into the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> there was um, a rainbow of colorful language that emanated from <laughs> this hole in my face. <laughs> Do the neighbors hear you? I invented a few new swear words <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, we now own a Dyson and I am never going to touch it. You bought a Dyson? I did not buy a Dyson. Somebody else in the house bought a Dyson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if we have a foot of dirt in this house. I am never it. vacuuming anything <laughs> in this house ever Again, for everybody's safety, stay for away everybody's from the safety. I am going to keep my distance from the vacuum. Um, it was Tracy's birthday on last last Thursday. Yes, and is. we went out for. I'm not. There's some sushi stuff I'll eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's more than I actually thought I would eat. That I, I do. Uh, we went to this one place, and just not too far from us, and do the all you can eat sushi. Mm-hmm. Right, they got okay. other things as well. Yeah, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, you know, they got like rice and some noodle dishes and yeah. stuff. So it's not just a, a a party of raw fish. Yeah, and yeah. seaweed. Right. Yeah. So we're sitting there, and my daughter goes to this place, and I hear this noise, like it's a video game. Mm-hmm. Who's playing a video game? There's kids in the booth behind us. Yeah, but no, it's not them. And you're listening, you're listening. And I'm like, do you guys hear a video game? My daughter. Oh, there's a robot here that brings you your food. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> I'm suddenly intrigued. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> and she so, didn't tell you that beforehand? No. No. All of a sudden, my curiosity is, is peaked. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you order, they, they give you an iPad. Yeah. And there's pictures of everything. Oh, that's handy. Right? So you're like, oh, who wants dynamite sushi rolls? Oh, yeah, I get they sell them, you know, one at a time. So how many do you want? Well, I'll take three. One, two, three. How many do you want? Two. One, two. So at the <laughs> end, they... Yeah. Know, so you got your, oh, give me a thing of rice and give me some oh, that's rolls. Awesome. Give me a soup. Give me some pad thai noodles and all that. And you do, 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 do. And then you hit, boom, send. And it sends it to the kitchen and they get all your stuff. And of course, everything doesn't come out all at once. Yeah. Right? But then all of a sudden, you hear this noise. <laughs> and around the corner comes this robot. Yeah. Picture a tall R2-D2. But instead of the round canister, there's shelves. And on the top, instead of the dome, it's made to look sort of like a cat head. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ears yeah. and a, yeah. a square face. Just like a video thing, screen. Just like a video screen. Mm-hmm. And it comes around the corner and it's talking to you yeah. in this. If, if you've never watched anime, yeah. you, you, you picture an okay, anime. Okay, yeah, 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 right? yeah. And it's telling you take the food from the tray with the blue light. And one of the lights, there's lights along one of the trays that yeah. 
that's blue. So you go there and you take the food off, hit, and then on the face that says, you know, there's things that says finish. So you hit finish and it turns into a cat's face, like a, a graphic of a cat's yeah. face. Yeah. It smiles, it sticks its tongue out, and <laughs> the ears light up. Thank you. And <laughs> off it goes back to its dock, like a, a an iRobot Roomba yeah. Yeah. thing, right? Well, that's awesome. Dude. I was so full. I was still ordering things just to get the <laughs> I need the to robot. see the robot again. Make him come Bring back. Bring me the robot. Order one piece of sushi at a time. <laughs> I want a spring roll. I'm going to barf, but I want a spring roll. I'm stealing this thing. <laughs> oh, That's really was, cool. It was the bur- best best birthday ever and it wasn't even my birthday (laughs) where's this place at it's in pickering yeah yeah you know the big home depot there just by white's road oh yeah 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 it's just over there i gotta take the family there oh make sure you're sitting somewhere where they're asked to be seated where you will be served by the robot Mm -hmm. okay make sure she the 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 lady doesn't there your kids don't hear you Mm -hmm. say right say i want to be set where I'm going to be served by the robot. <laughs> oh, sure. Come around. Because I guess there's certain, there's big parts where it's easy to get to. Yeah. But they've actually got to program it to get to other spots, like where we were sitting. Yeah. But, oh, that was just. <laughs> and then other people came later mm-hmm. and sat at a table across the, the, the little walkway from us. They had no clue either because all of a sudden the lady's looking like. What's what going on? And, and, and all of a sudden this guy. It's right at his elbow. He turns and looks. I think he almost crapped himself. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it's a robot right there. <laughs> it was awesome. But, oh, yeah, if that's all it takes to make my day. <laughs> no, it was, it's, it's pretty cool. Apparently, they got him at a couple restaurants, different restaurants. Yeah. Like Denny's. A Denny's. Maybe the Denny's in Whitby has one. Hmm. Apparently, Denny's have them. Stuff, well, I'm not so. going to Denny's. Why? The Lumberjack Grand Slam. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jug of orange juice and extra everything. Mmm, Denny's. I love you, Denny's. <laughs> Everything's about food. So that was my week. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Beating up vacuums and falling yeah. in love with robots. <laughs> Mine was completely uneventful compared to yours. Ah, see? You should hang out with me more. <laughs> that's what stress does to you. <laughs> Uh, what are we talking about this week? Ah, yes. So last year, we were talking, our good old buddy John Van Berger down in Wisconsin, yep. near his place, Lake Mendota in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, they found a 1,200-year-old dugout canoe back in November. Well, now, just, you know, you got to one-up yourself, right? Yeah. A 3,000-year-old canoe has been found, same place, Yeah, less than a year after the other one has been found. Same archaeologist. Yeah. It was a fluke, too. She, she was, was she was a day off last year swimming. Yeah. This year, she was giving somebody a scuba diving lesson. Yeah. And boom. Oh, hello. What's this? <laughs> 
She says, finding an additional historically significant canoe in Lake Mendota is truly incredible and unlocks invaluable research and educational opportunities to explore the technological, cultural, and stylistic changes that occurred in dugout canoe design over 3,000 years. Uh, it, sorry, that's uh, James Skybo, a uh, state yeah. archaeologist. But that's true, eh? Just think about it. If, you, if they could find more mm-hmm. and they can compare the evolution, like the key thing, though, is in that area. Yeah. So finding, because, you know, at different people, like the we discussed kayaks as they were designed and, and built all across the northern part of Canada. And there's like the, the Greenland style kayak, the, you know, this, the Alaskan kayak. So everybody, these communities built their own. And then eventually over time, they kind of shared some technologies, mm-hmm. lost the technology, refound the technology. So this here, if they could find more canoes in this area. And it, so right now they have a 1200 year old and a 3000 year old. So That's- it gives them an idea of, of, of uh, maybe the evolution of technology if they can find them in good enough shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, experts believe that it is the oldest canoe found in the Great Lakes region dating back to 1000 BC and they've done the radiocarbon dating to get the results. Yes, yeah. Maritime archaeologist Tamara Thompson found the relic in May 2022 while she was giving a scuba diving lesson. That's something. <laughs> this is not a joke. I found another dugout canoe. She reportedly texted her boss upon the discovery. <laughs> Could you imagine him just like, what? <laughs> Why don't you just? <laughs> well, good for her. That's pretty cool. And what's what's interesting is uh, the average person, it's like a chunk of wood, bottom of the lake. Yeah. Chunk of wood in the mud. Whatever. You wouldn't think about it. So I wonder how many people came across that and just... Thought Not it was insignificant. It. It's just a, some rotting wood on the bottom of the lake, mm-hmm. right? Well, it depends how many people are down there scuba diving too. True, right? true. But, you don't even know how deep. But, but I mean, that's they, just an example, right? Yeah, but generally they're also. What we've learned is that generally these canoes are buried in mud mm-hmm. in the fall, so that they're preserved. They don't dry out and crack over winter, or, or freeze and crack over winter. So they bury them in the mud. They've learned to do that and dig them up in spring. So. Clearly, this is something either somebody passed away during the winter after they buried it or they forgot where they buried it and it was lost in time. It also shows you how much the lake levels have changed. True. Because you got to think they're not burying this in 30 feet, 40 feet of water no, either, right? No, it could have been lost in a storm maybe. You know, yeah. there's that too and waterlogged and sunk. Yeah. Uh, talks soon followed on how to recover the historic relic. Archaeologists and volunteers excavated the ancient canoe with members of the Ho-Chunk Nation and Bad River Tribe present for the recovery effort, as with the last one. Experts believe that the found artifacts are further evidence of native communities that existed where Lake Mendota is now, giving more insight into the history of indigenous life in Wisconsin and the Great Lakes region. Recovery of this canoe built by our ancestors gives further physical proof that Native people have occupied T-Jop for lakes for millennia, that our ancestral lands are here, and we had a developed society of transportation, trade, and commerce, the Ho-Chunk Nation's president, Marlon White Eagle, said. Tribal members and historical society staff will care for both canoes now that they are out of the lake, and the relics will later be taken to the... uh, State Archive Preservation Facility in Madison, where we'll take approximately two years to restore them fully, or as as much as they can. Yeah. 
But that brings in, we talked about this before, the, before, um, how many, what's, what's the risk now of people going, well, if they found two. Yeah, people are going now. People are going to be digging around and maybe cause right? damage, right? Like that would be my my concern. Yeah, you need to be if you're going to. Sure, you find it, come across it, report it. But some people are going to go. Huh, I want this for my bar, right? Yeah, I'm gonna or I seal can it. I'm gonna pick one a, out. I'm gonna make a shelf out of this and pass it off to a different museum for yeah, some cash. Yeah, exactly. So instead of preserving stuff, some stuff might get damaged, but. We've already seen two canoes pulled out of these these lakes, and uh, so now there's a good chance that pe- people are going to start looking and saying, "Oh, there's got to be more." You would think, and and, uh, and what as, other as I had mentioned yeah. exactly, like um, if that was close to shore, yeah, three thousand years ago, mm-hmm. and the lake has risen that much, yeah. Who's to say there isn't a whole bunch of stuff that on the old shoreline? An old village. So you get people now yeah. scuba diving with their underwater metal detectors. Yeah, old and copper tools. Disturbing. Old yeah, who knows what you're going to find. Who knows what down there, right? Mm-hmm. Big archaeological finds could be, you know, um, ancient, like you say, villages and stuff like yeah. that down there, that, yeah. that buildings and, and rock walls or yeah. something, whatever, you know, it could be there and that's all going to get disturbed, possibly lost, taken. Or it's just going to be found if people are smart and, and, and well, that's what you'd hope. About it. You'd hope. Yeah. You'd hope best, that they, they all of a sudden get a call and yeah. say, Hey, uh, we just happen to be looking where you are looking yeah. and we found whatever. So you might want to send somebody over. That's the best case scenario. So, but how cool. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine telling your boss, "Hey, remember that canoe I found?" (laughs) (laughs) By the way, by the way, yeah, yeah. You got room for a second one? (laughs) Oh, now look at this show off bringing out two canoes. When you get in the third, (laughs) how old's it going to be? It's pretty cool, though. It is, and and like you say, the the distance. I mean, from a three thousand year old to a one thousand year old. Yeah. Yeah. You see that any changes were made or is it exactly yeah. the same? Exactly. Yeah. Designs, you know, like it's, it'll be pretty cool to see what they can find off of it. Pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canadian Rangers oh, celebrating yes. 75th anniversary with a canoe voyage to Ottawa. A group of Canadian Rangers from Northern Ontario completed a 750 kilometer voyage by freighter canoe from Perry Sound uh, Ontario to Ottawa, Ontario, in recognition of 2022 being Year of the Ranger. Mm-hmm. Rangers are a part-time army reservists founded in 1947 to serve in remote and isolated communities across the Canadian North. Uh, they are celebrating 75th anniversary of their founding. In total, there are 600 Rangers in 29 First Nations across the far north of Ontario. I thought they extended beyond Ontario. Uh, well, generally they do, but, uh, I'm not sure why they're saying just Ontario. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, I've been, you, they've been in news a lot lately. So since, uh, since the, well, it would have been Stephen Harper when he was prime minister. So he started, uh, 
getting more involved with the North mm-hmm. because the, the Northwest Passage was going to start opening up and we needed to prove that we have access. So yeah. they were doing a lot of military maneuvers with Canadian, Canadian Rangers. sovereignty. And- yeah, sovereignty and stuff. So they've been, the Rangers have been very active in the last uh, mm-hmm. 10 years or so, just uh, doing more and more maneuvers because there's more and more people are going to be up in these northern areas. So oftentimes they're used for search and rescue and, and so on, right? So, yeah. So, yeah, so now this kind of highlights the fact that, hey, they've been around for 75 years. This is uh, the year of the Ranger, and it's time to uh, – it's good for them to do this trip. That's – actually, that's that's quite the trip. Mm-hmm. So they did it in, what, 13 days, 750 kilometers? Yeah. That's incredible. So, yeah, they uh, made up the Perry Sound of Ottawa part with 32 Rangers from 15 of the remote communities. Uh, first part of their journey, they traveled in canoes from Fort Albany and Kashechwan, two First Nations on James Bay. Yep. Right? Uh, 24-foot craft powered by outboard engines traveled to Perry Sound along river routes. From Perry Sound, the mission started to Ottawa, 13 days, 750 kilometers. Uh, they boated across Georgian Bay along the Trent Severn Canal, Lake Ontario, and the Rideau Canal before reaching the Ottawa River. In Ottawa. Yeah. That's, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. That's cool. And it proves their capability. Not only they're celebrating, the, you know, the uh, the fact that they are 75 years in the making, but uh, they've this is the kind of stuff that they're going to be, this is what they're trained to do. This is what they're for, This yep. to do these uh, long distance travels. And you, like I said, normally it's, it's uh, search and rescue type stuff, but uh, that's pretty cool. It is. I thought you might... Like the next one here, because you sort of get into <laughs> this sort of stuff, thinking, oh. and this 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 has got you written all over it, <laughs> Mister Kermit the Frog Arms. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there was a comment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After la- I just gotta dig it up here. Who said it? Um, I I thought this was one of the best comments I've seen. Uh, oh, uh, Keith McKnight. So, what's the guy's name? The old, the old gentleman's name, Dale Sanders. So, he's Dale Sanders. We talked about this adventure. guy. He did the this grand journey, and he's like the Mississippi. He's like old as the hills. Yeah, eighty-seven. So, he's the oldest guy to to uh, paddle the full Mississippi. He re- we got his yeah. record back. So, he's clearly got some genetics behind him. Yeah, yeah. Any, any, <laughs> anything else you want to blame this on? <laughs> He says, funny episode, the juxtaposition between what Dale Sanders' body will allow him to achieve, world records, 87 years of age, and what Derek's won't, Kermit the Frog impersonations and drinking liquids. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. I choked on beer that episode. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not even close to 87. I I got such a laugh out of that. I appreciate that you got a laugh out of that. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I always say if we can't laugh at Derek, who can we laugh at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how is your Kermit the Frog arm? <laughs> it's improving. It's the the it's not burn. It doesn't burn inside the joint anymore. So it, it, apparently it's healed up a bit. But it's uh, I I I, I think it's I think it's almost normal. It, there's only one position I can't move it into. Is that the one where you flip me the bird? <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so this here has you written all over it. 
Acute gastroenteritis outbreak amongst rafters and backpackers in the backcountry of Grand Canyon National Park, April to June 2022. And it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely not funny, but my wife and I have these conversations. Mm -hmm. If we're on a canoe trip, if I'm doing some stuff, like cutting some wood or something and... You know, grab a sandwich or something. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. If I go to the bathroom, I'm washing my hands. Yes. There's certain times, uh, you know, you're washing your hands before you're doing anything with food and stuff like that, or um, washing your plates and and all, you know, doing your dishes mm-hmm. and stuff. But but like I say, if I'm if I'm poking around the fire or you know paddling, you're not or, really thinking about it. I, yeah. Whatever. There's dirt. Everybody needs some dirt in their life. Yeah. Uh, so this is sort of, we get, and her being a, a nurse, yeah. you know, there, there, these conversations come up every so often. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, just eat it. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to wash my hands. <laughs> I don't want to wash my hands. Yeah. You know, you're, you're sitting there and, oh, dinner's made. All right. You turn around, there's this big tub of, of, uh. Antiseptic, uh, <laughs> antibacterial hand stuff. I was like, oh my God. That's, that's not a barrel. That's, that's, that's our hand sanitizer. That sanitizer is really going to destroy the taste of supper. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Norovirus associated acute gastroenteritis is highly transmissible in settings with close person to person contact and decreased access to hand hygiene, such as backpacking or rafting. See, doesn't say anything about yeah, canoeing. Yeah. It's no canoeing. <laughs> there was no canoeing there. During April 1st to June 17th, 2022, the largest outbreak of acute gastroenteritis, and I'm going to say it different every time, documented <laughs> in the Grand Canyon National Park backcountry occurred. At least 222 rafters and backpackers became infected. Strong partnerships with river outfitters and national park staff members enabled implementation of prevention and control measures. 222 people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. May 11th, 2022, the National Park Service Office of Public Health and Coconino County Health and Human Services of Flagstaff, Arizona, contacted the CDC about a rising number of acute gastroenteritis cases among backcountry visitors to Grand Canyon National Park. Agencies reviewed illness report forms, assessed infection prevention and control practices, and distributed a detailed survey to river rafters and hikers with backcountry permits who visited the Grand Canyon backcountry during the April to June. Uh, a total of 191 rafters and 31 backpackers reported symptoms consistent with acute gastroenteritis. Enteritis. You got it right. I got it right. I'm, it just there's. It, it's such a big word. It looks like it's I'm. A lot of, I'm it's a lot of some, letters in that word. There's too many letters <laughs> in that in that word. A G. <laughs> Sore bellies. Specimens from portable toilets used by nine river rafting trip groups were tested using real time test results were positive for norovirus. IPC assessments led to recommendations for regular disinfection of potable water spigots throughout the backcountry, promotion of proper hand washing with soap and water when possible, and separation of ill persons from those who are not ill. So if somebody starts feeling 
getting sick on a trip. Yeah. Sorry, you guys get that raft. <laughs> it's like a plague ship. Well, exactly. And it's right? not just the same group. The thing is, is uh, once this thing gets into the river, not in the river, so what they, uh, I think what they must have assumed is it's in the sand on the, you know, people. Everything. A bear uses the same campsites, right? Yeah. And so it Well, just and takes- that's that's one of the things that they get into here is, is talking about they bring their own portable toilets, but they yep. all seem to set them up in the same spot. Yes. So all the germs get into the sand, the sand yeah. and into the water right mm-hmm. by the shore and yep. all that sort of stuff, right? I go on to say prevention and control of acute gastroenteritis outbreaks in the backcountry requires rapid reporting of illnesses. Implementing IPC guidelines for commercial outfitters of river rafting launch points and minimizing interactions among rafting groups. So you don't want one group who's got sickies coming up to another group who have healthies. Yeah. yeah and yeah. mingling. Yeah, exactly. So there keep the no sick mingling. people with the sick. Yeah. So... All the plague people over this oh, side of the campsite. <laughs> oh, you people, stay over there. Office of Public Health requires that guidelines on commercially operated trips report the occurrence of fewer than three illnesses at each trip's end and contact the NPS by satellite phone as soon as possible when three or more illnesses occur uh, and complete an illness report form for each ill person. So when you're on the trip, if you get more than three people... You get on that sat phone and let them know. Private rafting trip guys must report illnesses within seven days after completing a trip, and backpackers are encouraged to report illnesses. Between May, April and May, approximately 4,770 rafters visited the Grand Canyon backcountry. Oh, that's a lot. So It's like almost 5,000. I didn't think even close to that many people went there. Because you, you, you always hear about, oh, yeah, you got to get your permit. It's hard to get a permit. It's there's hard to get a permit. permit. But there's a lot of people still that get through that's there. That's 5,000 people. How many? Yeah. That's not a limited permit. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> yeah. All of a I feel like I've been lied to. Yeah. Uh, in April, uh, the OPH was notified by a commercially operated rafting group within Grand Canyon of seven persons experiencing vomiting or diarrhea. After nine additional rafting trips, that's 173 rafters, multiple cases of acute gastroenteritis were reported. You screwed it up that time. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Nobody, nobody would have noticed. <laughs> if I hadn't mentioned anything. I started keeping tally of how many times I say gastroenteritis. <laughs> bing! I'm going to just go back and put a bing every time. 13 additional rafting trips with 102 reported cases. A specific source of virus transmission has not been identified. And there is a, in in May 24th, a investigation was initiated. Illnesses, illness reports slowed before the arrival of the CDTC team in May 31st. The close relationship among outfitters and public health authorities likely facilitated rapid communication about the rise uh, in cases and resulted in more vigilant warnings during pre-trip passenger briefings and an internal reinforcement of environmental protection and equipment sanitation guidelines. The last reported case occurred June 17th. You skipped the word. It's I right there. Totally you went right the over word. it. <laughs> <laughs> I unbinged that one. 
So that just shows, like, I mean, all of a sudden they're 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 report. They notice they're everything's happening. Yeah, they start reporting it, reporting yeah. it. Word they get mouth. the information out there saying you got to do this to help stop it. Keep things clean. Wash your hands. Yeah. Wash up. Wash up. All wash your up. stuff. And wash by the time equipment. they start getting the big guns there to take care of it, it's already on the decline. Yes, because many trips use the same campsites and place portable toilets in the same locations. Particles could have been transmitted transmitted to surfaces, beach sand, or river water where new groups could have encountered them and then transmitted the virus both from person to person and trip to trip. There you go. Rapid separation of ill persons from non-ill persons and reinforcement of hygiene and sanitation practices by commercial rafting trip guides might have led to lower attack rates reported on some trips. So yeah, if you're going to get a, a river guide that's saying wash your hands, wash your like my wife, yeah. <laughs> versus another trip that yeah. says, oh, yeah, just make sure you wash your hands after you go to the bathroom. <laughs> like I, you, you, you're yeah. going to notice there's a difference in the number of uh, of uh, sick people. Yeah, I'm just thinking like you divide in the camp up. It's like sick people over there. Healthy people over here, you know, people are going, you know, maybe, maybe the guy who plays the guitar is the sick guy. It's like, well, I want to go to the sick camp. They're singing over there. <laughs> they're having more fun over there. Oh, shucks. They're having uh, fun over there. <laughs> yeah, but they're not keeping anything down. <laughs> they got marshmallows and cookies. <laughs> I'm starting my own camp. <laughs> Previous norovirus outbreaks have occurred among river rafters in Grand Canyon associated with contaminated food products and person-to-person transmission resulting in recommendations to adhere to strict hygiene guidance. With norovirus increasing nationwide, not just the canyon, nationwide, and visitation rates returning to near pre-pandemic levels, the potential exists for resurgence of norovirus outbreaks among visitors to the Grand Canyon backcountry. River rafting camping might amplify norovirus spread because of limited hygiene supplies and close person-to-person contact. Prevention and control of future outbreaks includes rapid reporting of illnesses, symptom screening before trip launch to minimize introduction of illness, strict adherence to hand hygiene with soap and water, sanitation protocols, disinfection of water before consumption, prompt separation of ill passengers, and minimization of interactions with other rafting groups. Do you think we're able to leave people behind? (laughs) Sorry, you're looking kind of peaked today. You just sit on over there. No, no, we're just going to go fishing. We'll be back in a minute. If anybody gets left behind, it's usually the mouthy jerks. It's right? Like, oh, I can't stand that guy. Can we I lose think him? he's got norovirus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Abandon him. Yeah. <laughs> he farted. I think he's got diarrhea. <laughs> he's sick. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I'm just the numbers alone. I know, yeah. You know, uh, the, the well, amount yeah. of people that got it. And well, just the amount of people that go through the Gang Canyon. It's like, that's a large chunk of people. But they're saying nine rafting trips, 173 people. Yeah, yeah. Those are some mighty big rafts. <laughs> well, you you might have two rafts per group. Like, it's, they, it depends on how big the, the team is that goes down, right? 
Well, let's just get this out here. 173 divided by 9. Well, that's 20 people. Yeah. Well, it's 19.2, so I guess it's 19 <laughs> people and a kid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a child with each group. Or else Peter Dinklage was on one of those trips. Oh, maybe. Yeah, see? <laughs> but still, yeah, almost 5,000 people. Yeah. In a couple months. Well, two months. Well, two months. April and May. 5,000 people in two months. Yeah. So it really makes sense when you... Uh, so in the past, it's like, oh, they they poop in a tube and they carry the tubes home with them. And it's like, well, it makes sense now that they trans... What you bring in, you bring out, including mm-hmm. your food waste yeah. and your poo waste. Because I think the only thing you're allowed to leave behind is your urine. Right? I don't think they box that stuff up and bring it back. I don't know. Use a water bottle. <laughs> That's a lot of left filled up water bottles. You're going to go but, to some guy's house and go, what's what's that? I was on this rafting trip to die for. It was my bucket list. <laughs> I peed in a water bottle. That was, that's what's yeah. up on the bookshelf. <laughs> my Grand Canyon pee. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it was a, truly a leave no trace. Oh, and it was a, such a beautiful sight. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it's uh, it does show it, it it's a good thing that these rafting companies do, you know they do pack everything out. Right? Well, yeah, so. that and I mean with the communication, that's what that's what I like is they're they're communicating and they're they're on yeah. it. I mean, you got to think at the end of the day, this is their livelihood. Yeah. Well, right? exactly. So even if there's different companies, I'm sure there's a lot of discussion between companies to say, hey, you know, uh, our, our teams went out there. I just came back last week or they're halfway through the trip. They've got a lot of norovirus. And uh, so you just watch your guys make sure you brief the customers well and let them know, wash, wash, wash yeah. Yeah. type thing, right? Yeah, so it's word of mouth. You got to you gotta preserve the, the industry, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on that one. See if it, uh, hopefully it doesn't get any, any worse. Yeah, but like this, I say, there's a rise across we, yeah, the nation. Right? Exactly. So oh. I, I think this was an unusual year for it. There was a lot more people out in the back countries. So in maybe it's just one of those things, like sometimes some years you hear about like, you know, a dozen cruise ships get hit by Norwalk and, and, uh, other years it's like maybe one gets hit by Norwalk, yeah. right? So really so hopefully depends. this is just a, yeah. an odd year. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to a little bit of a historical find here. Um, another canoe? No, no, a paddle. <laughs> a 200 year old paddle has been discovered in a house just outside of Leicestershire. Uh, it was located 10,000 miles away from where it was originally made in the South Pacific. The tribal paddle believed to be from Tonga is dated April 14th, 1830. And they say that because it's written or carved in the paddle. Yeah. It has a short poem carved on the wood. It reads, William Murray, in a great hurry, took me in his hand out of a, I don't know if that was just. Kanoa. Kanoa land. So it's like out of a Kanoa, out of a canoe. Yeah. Land. At Vavao and brought me to this land. I'm arrived at my journey's end to be presented to a friend. So he brought somebody this canoe paddle yeah. from Tonga yeah. to give to a friend. And it was made back in 1830. 30. Paddle was discovered uh, around 10,212 miles away from Tonga in a house in Little Over. It is now expected to reach 5,000 pounds when it goes under the hammer at Hansen's Auctioneers in October. The senior 
uh, valuer, Carl Martin, who made the discovery, said it's an unusual, scarce object and pretty amazing to think it has made it all the way to Derby from the other side of the world. That makes it easy to authenticate, I guess, if it's carved right into it. 1830, April 14th. Tonga is a small archipelago in the South Pacific Ocean, directly south of Samoa, and about two-thirds of the way from Hawaii to New Zealand. Yeah. It says, we understand it arrived in the UK all those years ago through Bristol docks, but we have no idea how it ended up here. In the 19th century, wealthy young men liked to travel the world in search of adventure and picked up exotic objects like this along the way. The market for tribal art is strong, particularly among collectors in France and Canada. I didn't realize Canada was big into that sort of stuff. Uh, so it could have it could achieve as much as five thousand pounds uh, at auction. Experts believe whoever acquired the paddle 192 years ago may have been inspired by Captain Cook, the legendary explorer first landed in the Tongan Islands October seven uh, October second. 1773. So just 50 years before. Yeah. During his second Pacific voyage, 1774, he returned for four days, received such a warm welcome, he named Tonga the Friendly Islands. Interesting. So yeah. it, uh, it's just, it's some of these historical things, like we talked about canoes tonight, we talked about this paddle tonight. It reminded me of a, uh, of, uh, you know, Canadian pastime hockey here. So, I uh, I recall a story from a few years back. It was around. It was back in 2015. Actually, I had to look it up. But uh, some guy was fascinated by a hockey stick. He found it in a North Sydney near Halifax, Nova Scotia, in a barber shop, and he convinced the barber to sell him the antique paddle or antique hockey stick. And it turns out it's the uh, the world's oldest existing hockey stick. Really? Yeah. So we paid a thousand bucks for it, and a uh, a museum paid the man three thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars for the hockey stick. Hmm. So I imagine that barber's a little bit miffed that uh, he sold it for a thousand. The guys turned around, and sold it for three thousand. But still, these, these things are just yeah. sitting on people's walls out there. Well, right? I, I was telling you, there. Um, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and always have been. Yeah. And I've collect the comics when I was younger and stuff and all this stuff just sits there and I've never, I don't plan on, you know, my, my daughter says, can't get rid of it. That's my inheritance. Yeah. Right. But I was at a flea market. I saw number one star Wars for 25 cents. Yeah. Last I checked was over 500 bucks, you know, because, <laughs> you know, especially when the new movies come out, they, yeah. they raise it and then it drops and certain comics have the introduction of a certain character. They're worth yeah. more and stuff. But, um, no, I've got, Three number one Star Wars comic books in the safety deposit box. Well, but I bought them all like like I say mm-hmm. twenty five cents at the flea market sort yeah. of thing, right? <laughs> cool. I bet you the guy that sold me that for twenty five cents and it's like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah, that's a new set of tires for my car. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's not it's, it's not, no three hundred thousand. It's, it's not getting moldy in the crawl space. It's uh, it's in a yeah. storage. It's a yep. safety deposit box. Yippers, perfect. Got to keep them like that. Yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, you never know what you're going to find out there. I know right? it's just like stuff just hanging off people's walls. Like yeah. it's like so that paddle is hanging off a wall. This the hockey stick was hanging off a wall. I remember uh, last time we were at I think it was a it was either canoe or winter symposium. We had the after party at David Bain's house, so that was 
what, four years ago since the last time we did something like that. But uh, he uh, he was handing around, uh, I was looking at, he's got a really, really old canoe paddle in his house. Yeah. He doesn't know how old it is, but it's an antique. You can see by the look of it, it's really, really old. So it's just fascinating that, you know, p- these things are out there. There's these antique yeah. They're there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at these TV shows like uh, American and Canadian Pickers. These yeah. guys yeah. from these shops go around and you see some of the stuff people have in their old barns. And, and they, just, they mostly just think it's junk and yeah. then somebody else. But, you know, somebody's junk is somebody else's treasure, as exactly. the saying goes, right? Yeah. So you never really know what you have. And I just remember so many times, like, we, we would, like, you know, we had a – my parents have a – early 1800s or more it's, it's almost 200 years old the old farmhouse and uh so when they bought it the old farmer had uh, left all kinds of stuff in the attic and so i have a few of the things there is a butter churn i have there's a like a 1920s uh washing machine one of those roll back and forth or no i think it might be 1800s anyways it's all mechanical physical roll it back and forth I, i've got that in a storage unit sitting somewhere so i, I kept all these things because it was just going to be tossed in the dump right yeah so it's like, well, don't you might want to eat that butter. Dump. Might be a bit. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best before date, maybe. Uh, yeah, heading, yeah, yeah, heading yeah. a bit south on that one. <laughs> Doesn't still have butter in it. Mm, green butter. <laughs> mm, that blue fuzzy green butter. Yeah, <laughs> gotta like it. Get me a bagel. Yeah. But yeah, it's just fascinating to find these old things, and yeah. like a lot of people don't appreciate what they have and often it's just you they drill a hole through it stick it to the wall it's like oh that 200 year old paddle you have a screw through it holding on to the wall what are you thinking well Look. i mean that's just like people coming across oh yeah this is my grandfather's old barn it's yeah. does anybody know anything about peterborough canoes <laughs> <laughs> really dude <laughs> you know things like that right yeah. so I got this messy painting in my grandmother's attic. Oh, that Jackson Pollock. (laughs) Who's that guy? Who's this Thomas Thompson guy? Yes. (laughs) So that's pretty pretty cool that they found that. uh, Yeah. But, I mean, something like this, I mean... 5,000 pounds for it. Yeah, that's kind of hate to see it. I converted. It's 7,500 bucks Canadian. Yeah, that's yeah. what they expect it to yeah. go for. But I mean, things like this, it's, it's a toss up. Would you like to see something like that in a museum? I, it should be right? in a museum, honestly. Like something like that old, you'd think mm-hmm. that, that'd be cool to see in a museum as opposed and to. So that's where you see, like, people have these personal collections. Like, we went through the ROM this summer, and oftentimes you came across display pieces where it's got a card sitting on it saying, Donated by the water. Or on loan to. On loan to yeah. the ROM by this family. Yeah. yeah. Right? So the family knows what they have, but hey, the museum is the best place to take care of and preserve something like this. Hey, we ought to see if we can. When's this auction? Well, I was thinking about that. Hey, what? October 14th. <laughs> we can get enough money. <laughs> we buy it and we give it to the yeah. uh, Canadian Canoe Museum. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. A Tongan paddle. Right? That'd be cool. It would be. Anyway, keep your eyes out for good stuff. Yes. It's out there. Yeah. October is ah, two days away. October is nigh. Yeah. yeah. You, you, we, hey, you changed, the, you corrected the calendar. I was going to say because. Uh, yeah, it doesn't say July anymore. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to walk over there, so I figured while I was there, three feet from where I'm sitting, <laughs> I might as well change the calendar. Because it was, uh, what? Mid to 
it was it was only just a week and a half ago that that you noticed that it was like hey this that's oh, yeah, the wrong I month that that calendar because <laughs> I rearranged stuff around here yeah. I forgot the calendars there <laughs> October month of pumpkin spice yeah. oh. yay. Yeah, I noticed a couple uh, sneaker companies have pumpkin spice uh, sneakers coming out. Oh, just stop. Not flavored, but the color. Uh, <laughs> you know there's people going to be licking those shoes just to check. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. Mm, I have pumpkin spice colored Crocs. <laughs> there's the door, buddy. <laughs> there's the door. Do I need to call the cops? <laughs> pumpkin, pumpkin paddles. Yeah. Uh, you know, big hollowed out pumpkins and witches on stand up paddle boards. Yes, every year they do a cruise. Every year there's a bunch of those that happen. So if you want to participate, now's the time to start thinking about yes, it. Yes, exactly. Now because we always talk about it after afterwards. it happens. Yeah. Hey, so, did you see what happened last weekend? Yeah, exactly. Kind of late now. So here's your heads up. If anybody wants to get out and do a Halloween uh, stand up paddle board, uh, you know, little trip and, uh, you know, it's kind of cold here but uh it's done you see a lot uh, in southern states and stuff yeah and so but even still the pumpkin paddles if you got a big enough pumpkin yeah yeah just insulate it put on your skidoo suit and <laughs> <laughs> a dry suit get yourself a dry suit and a giant pumpkin and what's good with a giant pumpkin is that the the, uh, the meat of the pumpkin is naturally buoyant so if you do take on water you're still going to somewhat float I saw a thing where they're saying when you're done with your paddle or your your paddle, your pumpkin mm-hmm. at Halloween, yeah. smash it and leave it in like by par- farmers' fields and stuff for the deer. Well, you don't want because everybody to do that. Well, then I wouldn't think everybody's going to do that. Millions of pumpkins lining in the sides of the roads. Okay, you know how bullhooey that is. <laughs> I can't walk three feet to change my calendar. You think I'm driving twenty kilometers to the nearest farmer's place to drop a pumpkin off? Yeah, come on. Depending on what neighborhood, uh, depending on what neighborhood you live in, the kids will take care of that anyways. Your well, pumpkins, the, uh, your pump's going to be smashed out in the street. I got three squirrels that'll take care. Oh of that. yeah, there we you only go. have three squirrels now, eh? There was eight last year. There's only three this year. Yeah. But we've got a chipmunk and three blue jays. Oh. Mm-hmm. I've got a I've got a raccoon that keeps uh, showing up my backyard. we got two raccoons. They're very transient throughout the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. We see them once every couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think they got a circuit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Not like they used to be here all the time. Uh, I found an article... Which I can so relate to, especially after my week of <laughs> vacuum cleaner beatings. Yeah, yeah. The Adventure Journal. I, I, I saw this in the Adventure Journal, and I just had to to uh, talk about this one. The five stages of stuff sack grief. <laughs> um, I can relate when it comes to... Uh, putting your sleeping pad, like your thermorest or something back in the stuff sack or your sleeping bag or your tent. So the, the one that the the, the article says, my favorite sleeping pad is a comfortable, warm, robust, well-made and nearly impossible to fit back into its tiny little stuff sack (laughs) when I'm packing up camp and heading for home. Come to think of it, same with my tent. (laughs) Because I've experienced so much grief trying to cram stuff back into stuff sacks. 
I thought I'd put together a guide to help the frustrated packer recognize the stages of stuff sack trauma. Those SOBs never ever fit in their freaking sack. <laughs> <laughs> and they truly don't. And they truly don't. Do engineers never have to actually put the things they design into the stuff sacks they're designed? Honestly, I don't think any of those people have ever been camping at all. Here, here. <laughs> I fully agree. Well, I, 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 I don't know how many times I've bought a tent and it's just, it never goes back into the original packaging. Nope. It's like, well, nope. I'm going to have to carry the poles and, and the pegs separately because I can't, ju- I can't just stuff everything back into the original bag it came in. There are days where I'm like, okay, you know what? The poles, the pegs, and the, the tent go into the bag. The tent fly. Yeah, I'm just stuffing that into the, in the yeah, backpack yeah, yeah, right on top. Yeah. We're going home anyway. <laughs> Some days it's, it's laying in the bed of the truck as I'm going home with everything piled on top <laughs> exactly. of it. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't fit it anywhere. Doesn't, it doesn't fit Who cares? We'll use it to cover all the stuff in the canoe because yeah. we don't have a tarp. Especially if it rained. Yeah. Like guaranteed, like any tarp or tent is never going to fit back in a ah, little bag. No, no. So the five stages, first one, denial. Oh, this is totally going to fit, even though I've rolled this tent, sleeping bag, tarp, hammock, whatever, into somehow the shape of a bloated croissant <laughs> because I'm in a hurry and impatient and it's trapping all sorts of air inside, but surely it'll just fit right on in there. I'll just stretch the opening a little bit here. <laughs> Anger. Why the beep isn't this thing fitting in the sack? In this stupid, stupid sack. What sadistic engineer would have thought of this would fit anyway? Let me just, grunting noises, scrunch it down smaller, gasping sound. Oh, you piece of (laughs) fit. (laughs) Bargaining. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to take a step back here. Hey, little sack, I promise if you let me fit this sleeping pad in you nicely, I'll show you, or I'll stow you right at the top of the pack. No crushing. And next time, you better believe it, I'll make a real serious effort to fold and roll the pad properly. Swear to God, and we won't have to go through this, okay? So, will you please fit now? (laughs) Depression. God, I'm such a crappy packer. So messy. How could I let this happen? I just had to have that third cup of coffee, stare out at that stunning snowy mountain pass while everybody else at camp was carefully packing up, and now I have this mess of a tent half in, half out of its sack, dirty and filthy. I probably brought the wrong tent anyway. Everything is terrible. (laughs) Acceptance. You know what? Who cares? I'm just going to stuff this whole thing deep into the pack, cram everything else on top of it, deal with it when I get home. It's going to be fine. Really, it is. Backpacking is about the best packed bags, right? It's about the adventure. Even the adventure of getting this piece of bad back into the sack. Out of hell with it. I'm having another coffee. (laughs) It's so true, eh? I can so relate. (laughs) And as they're sitting there looking out at the scenery, waiting for me to pack, all of a sudden a tent ends up in the lake. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what happened to my tent. I didn't bring a tent. I had enough of this. There was no tent. There was no sleeping bag. There was no tarp. There was no hammock. There was no sleeping bag. Nothing. No, I came with an empty bag pack sack here, and that's all I'm leaving with. (laughs) Those are the five stages of stuffed sack grief. 
<laughs> that was awesome. Adventure Journal. I, I, I picked that one out of there. Yeah, I'm looking for that uh I'm looking for that story, but I can't find it. It's there. Well, I believe you. It is there. Uh the last is this the last thing I got? I think it's a no, it's the second last thing I got. Uh Peloton. Yes. I don't know how many times I get advertisings on social media and everything oh, I know. else about yeah. Peloton. Hey, you Peloton riders or Pelotoners or yeah. whatever yeah. they call them. All you have to do is Google that name once and then it's forever. Oh, yeah. You know what? Even saying it right now, my phone's right here. Yeah, it's listening. I've just doomed yeah. myself. <laughs> so rowing machines have landed in a few Peloton showrooms for customer testing. Now, when I had my gym membership, yeah. I liked the, the um, treadmill. Mm-hmm. and the rowing machines. And they weren't fancy rowing machines, but it was in front of a TV so I could watch like the Arsenal <laughs> yeah, footy, yeah. footy games there. Yeah. Uh, pre-order delivery is slated for December. Peloton devotees awaited an indoor rower since rumors of one started circulating in 2020. Wow, it's been rumored a long time. It has. Now it's finally here, though the price tag has already raised some eyebrows. I've already had, I looked at Pal, you know what, if that's your bag, Mm -hmm. having some guy or girl or whatever on the screen, come on people, let's go, (laughs) and and, and, and egging you on and and, and all that sort of, awesome. Yep. You do you, sailor boys. The exercise equipment company will officially release Peloton Row by the end of the year. Okay, yeah. I can't see spending that much for a regular thing, a regular Peloton thingy. Uh, Peloton Row comes with classic rower features for personal improvement, plus virtual guidance from its in-house instructors. It is also $3,200 manufacturer suggested (laughs) retail price plus taxes plus shipping and handling. And in addition to a $528 a year for those who want access to its fitness classes. Now, I wonder if you already have a treadmill and a bike. I wonder if that is a one for all. I'm thinking that's different. You think it's going to be separate? I would think it would be a separate thing. At the cost of these things, if you're willing to uh, to, to throw thirty two hundred bucks out there for this yeah. thing, what's well, another five hundred and thirty bucks? <laughs> Several times the cost of other rowing machines, such as the Concept Two, which is nine hundred ninety dollars for the entry level model, um, a thousand dollars or thirty two hundred dollars. Well, it depends if you're a Cadillac person or a Honda Civic person. As long as my windows roll down, I don't care. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) By our calculations, about the same as shelling out for a seven-day luxury cruise. Yeah, but this, the rower will last you a lifetime. The seven-day cruise lasts you seven days. The rowing machine doesn't have all-you-can-eat buffets, movie theater, (laughs) and a nice Alaskan vista. True, true. Right? True. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Peloton will not offer financing for the rower or any discounts for existing customers. Also, rowing content won't be immediately available on oh, the Peloton app. They're still app building at that launch. up, I guess. 
Uh, when questioned about the rower's price tag last week, Peloton CEO Barry McCarthy sounded less than sympathetic. I wasn't impressed with his comment. We've got a premium offering because, let's face it, you're not price sensitive. He told a Goldman Sachs analyst, and people like you weren't price sensitive. And if we have a great product, they're going to buy it regardless. <laughs> it's, it's quite the attitude. <laughs> but but it's true. If you're if you're looking for uh, the luxury brand, if you're looking for the name brand, like if I can, if you see... got to have that Gucci purse. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's like you're you're willing to spend the extra money, but I don't know. Like I can see, I can see like row clubs buying this for their uh, for their uh, you know as part of the club and whatever for people to exercise. Maybe if you exercise off season, whatever. Or you can see athletes. Mm-hmm. Athletes are going to go for the high end models if they can afford it, right? Do you want a so, Harley Davidson or do you want a cheap ass Yamaha with one muffler missing? <laughs> I, I'm partial. Sounds to the, the same. I'm partial to the, Hana, to the Yamaha with a muscle muffler. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Um, initial reviews of the Peloton Row have been largely positive about its features and usability. Size-wise, it weighs 156 pounds. Measures average for a rower at eight feet long and two feet wide. It's also possible to stow it vertically with an, an included wall mount. That's handy. That's big time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of the other, like the old tread uh, steppers or whatever, they would slide, the big thing was sliding it under your bed. Yeah. Or the ski machine things, the handles would fold down and you mm-hmm. could slide it under your bed out of yeah. the way, right? That's the big thing. Is out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Not like a set of weights, you know. <laughs> That weight bench is always it's, in the uh, middle of your garage exactly, or driveway, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, uh, or or basement. Visually, Peloton Row comes with the sleek red accents of its other equipment, as well as a 24-inch HD touchscreen for classes and feedback. That's a big screen. Yeah, it's bigger than my laptop. That's like that big. Yeah, my my display here. Wow. Uh, the best part of the machine lies in Peloton's content. The machine for, uh, form assist function offers users an initial calibration process to improve their stroke and posture. After workout, the machine gives suggestions for improving performance. Dude, give it up. Go back to the donuts. <laughs> You're going to die on me. <laughs> Thanks, Peloton. Dude, uh, throw the towel. Yeah. Uh, the personal sp- Pace targets help home rowers contextualize instructors' cues. Companies also hired expert instructors like Matt Wilpers and Adrian Williams to lead new class formats, many of which will release early next year. They are, and these are current Peloton instructors. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe they're getting like these rowers or big something. rowers or no, something like just, that that do this, yeah, like Olympic rowers or something, right? No, yeah. No, these guys are just all-around athletes that like all-around athletes, but they're like uh, they're good at uh, getting people motivated. Yeah, that, that's I think that's the key part of anybody who who's uh, an expert instructor is is you're good at motivating people. Do you have twenty to more kilometers on this row machine than that donut's all yours? All right, <laughs> <laughs> come on, donuts! I'll give yeah. you a I'll give you a Tim bit for every <laughs> every five <laughs> kilometers you go. And I'm going to be on that thing all day. Can I eat the 10 bits as I row? <laughs> I got one of those 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 hard hats on with the two beers on each side. 
<laughs> rowing away, yeah, drinking yeah. my beers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you do you, buddy. <laughs> uh, the last thing I've got here, you sent me this link a while ago. Yeah, you and could never get it And for some reason, it never worked on my computer. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, what I was doing wrong, but... I think you just didn't try very hard because I'm the one that sent it to you. No, because I, I was <laughs> I was looking at this thing like, dude, what does this thing do? Oh, and you told me like, yeah, you put that there and it it zooms you in fly and down the river. It, it, it shows you uh, this video of you going down the river and showing it. Yeah. And I would do exactly as you said, and it just sat there mm-hmm. looking at me. <laughs> and I'm just not like, not impressed, yeah, not impressed. This doesn't impress me much. Yay, go whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you said and it didn't work one of our listeners Dave McMahon listened to our episode there last weekend about the paddle to the sea and he sent me a, the link to this 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 um, river runner global river thing. runner yeah. thing and it worked like it's an absolute charm yeah I don't know what the dealio was. Maybe, maybe it was it new when you sent it to me or? I don't know, but I've always, like, I use it at work. We talk about river, river runs and we throw a dot down and see where the drop water goes. And yeah. So it's a great tool, as Derek says, for planning paddling trips. Um, if you want to know which way the water's flowing. And Dave says when, you know, it really comes in handy when you're going to be crossing a height of land, not just like a high point. The actual height of land yes. where, you know, you're going upriver and then yeah. everything's downriver sort of thing. So when the site opens, you go you go to river-runner-global.samelearner. Sam Lerner, the guy's name. Oh, so It's what? a dude. What? Oh, sorry, Sam Lerner. Yeah. I said same, didn't I? I thought yeah. there was an extra E in there. Dot com. River-runner-global.samlearner.com. And the map po- the map of yep. North America and part of Europe opens up. And what you do is, uh, at the top it says, tap to drop a raindrop anywhere in the world and watch where it ends up. So if you know you're going to be going on a trip in northern Ontario, say, you zoom into that area and you find where you're going to start and you tap it. And it will always, you zoom in and it will take you, a video will show you, you know, like a Google map type video, the current of the river and where it will take you and the route you will go, a a virtual, basically paddle down the river. Um, It is cool. It is really cool. I, I, like I said, I, I couldn't get it to work before and now. Like I say, you're sitting there and you put, okay, well, if I'm paddling from here to here, you know, eventually, okay, there's the height of land. Am I going to have to go down? And if you put a drop, well, it's going to show you going the other way because you're not going up. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. But it's also good if, like, if you're going to run the Des Moines River or the Coulonge River or whatever, you could drop where your start point is and you can fly through the river as you go down. It's kind of a – gives you a visual, visualization of your expected trip, whatever, mm-hmm. right? So if you – let's say you go to uh, Black Feather and, and look through their trips that they're putting on for the 2023 season, it's like, oh, what 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 is the Nahani River run like? So you drop your bit of water in and, and you follow through the map. You fly through it like a helicopter, right? It's like it's, it's pretty cool. It gives you – it's a good visualization. It, it's not. I wouldn't say it's very practical for for 
Yeah, you're planning, not going to use but, it for no. You but, know that well. That's the rapids there. Yeah, no. There's logs there. But it's going to be a little bit and, daydreaming. It's going to be yeah. like oh, like if you're in, in a coffee break or you know, it's a slow day at work. It's that's like, really windy. That section. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like if you got a slow day at work, you just fly down a bunch of rivers. Yeah, do the Amazon. It is. It is quite <laughs> the, the the decent. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Dave McMahon, thanks for uh, throwing me that link again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why it didn't work the, when you sent it to me, Derek, but. Apparently, you sent me a substandard version. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It always, it always I got to count on guys like Dave to send me the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a link at work for me to click on it <laughs> when I'm bored. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. So, I, yeah, I, I clicked that one there. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, hitting up a few things. So, it's pretty cool. So, yeah. uh, And, oh, talking about Blackfeather. Yes. You said they announced their new thing, and we're looking at the yeah. So I've been Thompson looking at Thompson uh, River. Yeah, there's well, there's uh, yes. Yeah, so there is the Thompson. You, you and I, well, mostly you have wanted to do the Thompson. Thirteen thousand four hundred ninety-five dollars a person. That's that's affordable. Um, <laughs> <coughs> that doesn't involve even getting there. That doesn't include that part. It's nope. just the trip itself. Eh? Just the trip itself. Fourteen days. So it would. I think what it would include is probably you have to make your way to Inuvik yourself, but from Inuvik to uh, Banks Island and the is Thompson it Inuvik River. Inuvik or Tuktoyaktuk? Tuk? Uh, Inuvik is. Uh, I thought it was leaving Tuk. Inuvik is right below. Well, Tuk is quite a bit farther west. Uh, that's where I thought it was leaving from. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know. Yeah. One of the yeah. two. Anyway, I just know that Inuvik is pretty close. So you got to take the flight over to yeah Olavik National Park. Yeah. And then two weeks, you're dipsy doodling through. Yeah. So, so if anybody's listened to our early episodes in the first two or three years, we we often talked about going to Banks Island. That's a bucket list trip for us. It is. Yeah. And so when we priced it out about four years ago, it was like uh, you'd have to uh, arrange your own flight and so on. So we, the flight was the most expensive part. Just the flight alone was, uh, but you had a tra- special charter. Mm-hmm. And only certain companies have a license to land on uh, on Banks Island, and so in Olivik Olivik uh, yeah. National Park, and so it's uh, it's expensive. So four years ago, it was twenty thousand dollars per person, unless you could arrange for. There's a lot of research teams that uh, make their way out to the island, so they usually go with partly filled planes, and so if you can. A big boar steal a place on a plane with them, then maybe you can get it for like eight or grand. Or there's whatever. a group already in there, it, yes. and you fly on the plane going to pick them up. You can split the cost with yeah. that group. Yes, on yeah. the the flight mm-hmm. there, because if you, it's just you, yeah, you have to play pay for that plane to fly there, drop you yeah. off, and fly back. And fly back. It's, that's a lot of fuel. That's a lot because they're big planes, yeah. and that's quite the distance. Yeah, and so and while this and is, there's a, a stopover fill up too. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. So it's uh, it's not a cheap trip, but it's uh, one of those bucket list trips. And it's it's uh, the Thompson River on Banks Island is, uh, well, it where it ends up in the ocean. There's a there's a harbor there, and it's like this early 1800 shipwreck that's uh, sunk oh, there. Oh, um, is it the Terror? Uh, Who's the other one? I don't know. I can't remember the name of it. I'm sure it's the Terror that's there. Yeah. Yeah. Franklin ships. Yes, one of the yeah. Franklin ships. Yeah, uh, yeah, is yeah. Um, 
Well, that you, you'd have to you have to do a day trip and on over and scuba dive if you want to see it. But yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit extra involved. You're not that far, but there's <laughs> there's the muskox that are there. The Arctic wolves are up there. There's a lot of indigenous um, historical site things to see along the route, and yeah. the the big hill of muskox skulls. Yes. You know, yes. That are like hundreds of years old. They say uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff, but you know. A bucket list trip that when one of us wins the millions of dollars or one of our listeners wins the millions of dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm taking Sean. (laughs) No, taking Derek. (laughs) Derek's going to hurt himself (laughs) doing a Kermit the Frog. (laughs) I'm taking Sean. At least he doesn't do the Kermit the Frog. I didn't warm up before I did the Kermit the Frog. If I had warmed up properly and did my stretches... Oh, geez. Um, anyway, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I happened to see that. That's the first thing I saw was over 13 grand. And that doesn't include taxes. Oh, it doesn't? No. Yeah. No, there's extras on top of that. You know, they always fit in all these extra little yeah. fees. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, 20 grand. By the time you get all the yeah, way yeah, up yeah. there, yeah. all your gear, pay for the trip. But you know what? It used to be only a week. Now they're saying these ones 14 days. Yeah. And that was my big thing. That was why I was looking at doing it myself. Because you want to spend more time there. If I'm spending 12 grand or something on a trip, yeah. I'm not going not gonna for make seven a long days. Week- it's not going to be a long weekend yeah. trip. Yeah, it's not a long <laughs> weekend trip. That I'm, I'm, I'm going so that I can spend as much time as I want. Yeah. If I want to go up there and spend three weeks, I'm going to go up there and spend three weeks because <laughs> it's the plane, the plane, it's not like the plane only goes, you know, like a scheduled plane. It's scheduled when you say, okay, come pick me up sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, if I'm spending that kind of money, I'm enjoying my time up there. But, uh, so again, Dave McMahon, uh, thank you for the River Runner website. That's a really, really cool thing to uh, check out and, uh, I'm, next time I go do a, I'm going to do a big trip. I'm going to definitely give that one a, a look at. Yeah. And, you know, if if you want to spend some time daydreaming this winter about uh, potential trips next year, just go look at all the trips that, uh, that there's dozens of trips that uh, Blackfeather is putting on next season. And uh, you just go through their list of trips and, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's worthy of a lot of uh, daydreaming. Oh, even if you don't take one of their trips, at least the the info is there. Oh, yeah. And you can look yep. into doing it yourself if yep. you've got the skills. Mm-hmm. And not everybody does, yeah. but it's all there. Uh, I think that's all I've got this week. Me too. I can hear a vacuum that needs a good beating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find I'm trying to find the name of the ship that's sunk off of Banks Island. It's not <laughs> uh, Google's not my friend tonight. Really? No. Isn't the 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 terror? I want to say the revenge, but that was Blackbeard's. Um, I ship. found the inlet, so it's not the uh, it's not the same inlet that the uh, Thompson River flows into, but it's in Olivet. No, yeah, it's over. It's it's just east over. of. Yeah, you have to do a day walk and hike to get to that inlet. And there actually, the, is it that inlet that has the waterfalls? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it does. Man, it's been a while since I've actually looked into all of that. Anyway. I'm sure it's the Terror. Could be. It could be. But Terror uh, and Erebus. 
Which ones were just found off of Victoria Island last two years ago? 2014 was the Terror. Yeah, so that's farther, much farther east. So the Erebus was just like two years after that. Yeah, I'm sure it's the Terrors there. Anyway, there's a ship there. You're not going <laughs> to see it anyway because it's no. like 50 feet underwater. So anyway, that's all I got. Yeah, me too. That's it? <laughs> Well, hopefully your shoulder's feeling much better next week. It is much better now, but yeah. thanks for asking. I know you're just making fun of me, but I'll, <laughs> I'll just take it as you ha- actually care. Making fun of you and drinking your beer at the same time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> My life is good, except when it comes to vacuum cleaners. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at battlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And it's HMCS Investigator. And I'm Derek Spatchel. See you next time. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.